Well, amen. That's, uh, boy, that's good stuff right there. Amen. Take your Bible, turn over to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to begin in verse 1, read verse, uh, through verse 3. And again, we have a new theme this year, and our theme is Do the Simple Well. And uh, last, uh, this past Sunday night, I uh, introduced the theme. I'm going to review that, share those, some of those truths, and just kind of catch everyone up to speed 100%. And then we're going to move along and uh, address this issue of simplicity today. And um, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to share a few things as well. And, and throughout the year, I'll be bringing some specific topics as uh, uh, we'll deal with trying to, first of all, make things simple and then uh, do the simple well. And so let's go ahead and look at this passage because this is where we're going to kind of bring out our, our theme. It's going to come from this particular spot in the scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, we, we read, <clears throat> Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, although Paul had consistently and constantly condemned self-commendation and self-congratulations, if you will, promoting himself or anyone else promoting themselves, he would go ahead and spend the rest of this book or uh, the rest of 2 Corinthians basically doing just that. And one may ask, well, why would he do that? If he wasn't uh, particularly fond of that, if it truly did go contrary to his character and uh, what he preached and taught for the most part, why would he do that? Well, uh, unfortunately, his character was being attacked. And the very confidence of those that he had spent his life reaching and teaching was being eroded as a result of that. So Paul, although admitting that what he's going to do is going to seem inconsistent, because of the extreme circumstances that he found himself in, realized that he must defend himself for the very gospel's sake. So as the Bible says, he answers a fool according to his folly then. And he begins here by stating that he was jealous over them with a godly jealousy. Now again, we have a lot of examples of jealousy in the world, and especially in relationships. But the jealousy that Paul is going to share concerning these Corinthians is a godly jealousy. He had no selfish desire whatsoever to see them following him or somehow uh, reverencing him in that regard. That wasn't the point of his jealousy. No, his jealousy was that he had invested himself selflessly and endlessly to one end, and that end was that he may present them a chaste virgin to Christ. He states, he says, For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So in a sense, uh, they were engaged to be married to the Lord. That's what we basically recognize and see here. However, these Corinthians were in danger of being seduced as Paul looked over the circumstances and situations that he found them in. And he reminds them that they must be very careful, that they must remain chaste. And that word chaste comes from a word meaning immaculate, free from all faults, pure and holy. And he's telling the Corinthians here, he's saying, listen, you must remain chaste. You must remain free from all fault, pure and holy. You must be immaculate. 
Because see, Paul's great desire for the Corinthians was that upon his return, Christ would find his bride pure and pristine, unscathed by the world and unscathed by the corruption that abounds in it. And Paul knew that Satan was a worthy adversary and that Satan is indeed extremely clever and very subtle. And he knew that that he indeed was the one that was behind the Judaizers and their attempts to undermine grace. And instead of emphasizing uh, grace and salvation, they were emphasizing works. And he understood that Satan would go to any length to harm God's people. Boy, I want you to understand that God will still go to any lengths. The God of this world will go to any lengths to harm you. He feared Satan's attack. He feared it for a couple of reasons. He was concerned that Satan's attack on the Corinthians would mirror his attack on Eve in the garden. And that attack was threefold. Satan first began with a doubt. He then followed it up with a denial. And then he ended with a delusion. And the only weapon that Eve had at her disposal was the word of God. And may I say, that was all she needed. However, the problem was, is that Eve was unskillful in the word of God. She left out a couple of things altogether. And then she ultimately inserted something that just simply came to her mind. Is it any wonder that she was so easily deceived? She didn't stick to the truth. She didn't do, say, uh, quote it as God did. She removed a few things and she then turned around and added some things that were not even there to begin with. And Paul was fearful that like Eve, the Corinthians themselves, in their love of sophistication, and, and, and that they would water down the word of God, the very word that he had given them, the very word that had been relayed to them and shared with them and transmitted to them. He was concerned that they would become an easy prey to Satan by discarding the word or watering it down. See, it was the simplicity that is in Christ that they had to embrace. Again, it's the simplicity that is in Christ. That was the concern. That was the thing that they needed most. They had to be careful. They had to be very aware of what was taking place because they could easily be deceived by those claiming a greater depth of understanding or those trying to convince them that they were somehow missing out on better things, bigger things. But in reality, all that they needed to do was simply believe and obey the word of God. Paul says in verse 3, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. In Genesis 3, 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Boy, the, the devil is a subtle, subtle creature. And that word subtle means basically craftiness. It literally means to, that he's going to do everything possible, everything he possibly can to corrupt their minds and to undermine the authority of the Apostle Paul. So Paul was afraid that the minds of his converts would be corrupted, that they themselves would be seduced, spoiled, diverted from the simple, though glorious, truths of the gospel. See, the gospel is not complicated. It's simple. The word of God is not complicated. 
It is simple. But so often, because of Satan, we complicate it. And so, the Apostle Paul, he would ever remind the Corinthians of the simplicity of the gospel and the need to keep it that way. He would continually warn them not to be enamored by those who appear to be somehow sophisticated, but who are only complicating what God intended to be simple. So from our passage, we learned a few things. We learned a simple principle. Keep things simple and then do the simple well. See, life is best served by keeping it simple and then doing the simple well. And not only are we saved, but we are equally successful when we keep things simple and do the simple well. So that can be said of every area of our life. Now, I looked up a few quotes, and it's interesting. I read one quote that says, The definition of genius is taking the complex and making it simple. Do you know who said that? Interestingly enough, it was Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein said the definition of genius is taking the complex and making it simple. Our life is frittered away by detail. Simplify, simplify, said Thoreau. Thoreau. Nature is pleased with simplicity. That's a quote from Isaac Newton. I like this one, and you'll never guess who said this one either. When I don't, well, you might. <laughs> I never would have, at least. When the solution is simple, God is answering. Albert Einstein. Yeah. And finally, a man by the name of Steve Jobs. You may have heard of him. He said, simple is harder than complex. And if you know anything about Apple, you know anything about those products, they try to make it as simple as possible. We need to do our best to make the complicated simple. But don't be fooled, though. Simple is not always, is not always easier. It's not all, it doesn't mean that it's effortless just because it's simple. It doesn't mean that it's quick or fast. That's not necessarily what it means. But we know we need to simplify. It is essential to simplify things if we truly want to do them well. Over the next couple of weeks, or three weeks, I want to address the topic of making it simple. Making it simple. And I want to start, first of all, by dealing with simplicity from the standpoint of the reason. And then next week, we're going to talk about the recipe to making it simple. And then finally, we're going to look at the result of it. So simplify the reason. Simplify the recipe. Simplify the result. And so today, simplify the reason. And I want to give you four reasons to simplify. Four reasons. And we're going to take just a few moments and do that this morning. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll kick this series off. Father, we love you. We are grateful for the privilege that we have to gather today. Be glorified in our lives. May you work and move in the midst. Lord, if there be any that are without the Lord Jesus Christ, may they recognize their need to receive and accept him to not go through life without him. Father, it's not enough that someone knows about the Lord Jesus. They need to know him personally. And we pray, Lord, that their heart would be stirred, their mind would be enlightened, that they would recognize a need to receive and accept him personally today. 
And for the believer, Lord, may our hearts be encouraged to simplify every area of our life, especially our spiritual lives, and then do the simple well. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. In Christ's name, amen. First of all, simplify. Why, why would we do that? I mean, what's the reason for that? Number one, simplicity pleases God. Simplicity pleases God. That's the first reason. I mean, let's face it, our goal and our desire in life ought to be to want to please the Lord Jesus Christ. That's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. Turn there if you would, please. 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to see two verses out of that particular chapter. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. The Bible says there in verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And often I, I have this picture or mental image in my mind, where there is confusion, there is no God. Is God's not in the midst of confusion. I mean, God is a calming factor. And it's important that we understand, and again, I understand situations can get overwhelming, and I'm not saying that God isn't with you. I'm just saying that many times we are the ones who somehow produce this chaos and confusion, and then we'll say, well, God is with me. God's not with people that are creating confusion all the time. Conflict, chaos, that's not God's way. It's not how God functions and operates. You ever think about why God cannot stand and why he hates gossiping? Could it be that it creates confusion, chaos, conflict? That goes contrary to God's nature. That's not about those things. And honestly, if we truly want to please God, we need to simplify things in our lives. We need to simplify things in our relationship with him and in our walk with him. We need to make things as simple as possible because God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. In verse 40, he goes on to say, let all things be done decently and in order. I don't know about you, but when things are done decently and in order, that makes things a lot simpler. I've had teachers in the past when I've gone to school that they have taught me a subject and I did not get it. I mean, I struggled with comprehending and understanding what was being taught. And then another teacher would come in and teach the exact same thing in another semester or another year of my training and I'd go, wow, that's simple. Now, how is that? Because in some way, somehow, and again, I understand we all learn a little bit differently, so it's not always the teacher's fault. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the fact is, is that sometimes teachers can complicate, complicate the teaching process. And in this case, all things must be done decently and in order. And the fact is, is that whether it's a Sunday school lesson, whether it's a, a message of sorts, whether it's a direction or, or some kind of rule in the home, it, it, it doesn't really matter what it is, whether it's our finances or anything else. It needs to be done decently and in order because that promotes simplicity. And simplicity pleases God. In Romans eight twenty nine, look at that, would you please? Again, we are to be Christ-like. And if that's the case, Christ is one that is always seeking to... to to bring a peace and a calm, and Christ is one that does things decently and in order. Therefore, you and I ought to be like him. We ought to be doing the same thing. Notice what it says in Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow. 
he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Notice that he did predestinate, predetermined to be conformed to the image of his son. You and I are to be in the image of Jesus Christ. There ought to be an element of likeness there. And, and if we are that person that is walking through life and everywhere we go we're, pre, we're, we're, we're just causing complexity and chaos and confusion and, and discord, may I say today, that is not the image of Jesus Christ at all. Simplicity. Why in the world do we need to simplify? Because it pleases God. When we exhibit a simplistic order in our lives, we positively reflect the nature and character of God himself. Has anybody ever said to you, you're making it too complicated? I mean, I've had that said to me at least twice in my life. I said at least, so I didn't lie. (laughs) I mean, honestly, we, we have a tendency in our humanity to complicate matters, do we not? It is, it's a natural, natural tendency, but God's word is one that simplifies and God's character is one that simplifies. Even when you look at creation itself, and God said, and God said, and God said, it's simple. And the world would want you to believe it was an extremely complicated feat. Man, you talk about complicated Just look up anything on evolution and your mind will spin. But God's not like that. God is a God that simplifies. And if we want to please him, we need to be like him. And we need to simplify as well. Although you and I have been given the divine nature, and we have indeed been given the divine nature, we possess every tool, obviously, that's needed to overcome sin in our lives. Because of the divine nature, you and I as believers still face the frustrating fact that we will constantly war with this old wicked flesh in our lifetime. Nonetheless, by exhibiting simplicity in our lives, we can bear the mark of our maker. Thus promoting his person by picturing his attributes and qualities in our day-to-day living. You want to talk about being a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ? Then make it simple in your life. Don't go to work creating conflict. Don't allow yourself to be caught up in confusion. Simplify. It pleases God. The life that is drowning in confusion and chaos can never truly please God because that life fails to provide a clear vision of the Creator before the world in which we live. Well, God wants us to be a testimony. And simplicity speaks volumes concerning God and His character. So, first of all, simplicity, the reason? Well, simplicity pleases God. Why does simplify? Because it pleases God. Number two, simplicity promotes productivity. It promotes productivity. See, simplicity allows us to focus on being productive, not being busy. I'll tell you, that's a huge statement, by the way. That's, that's big time. 
Simplicity allows us to focus on being productive, not on being busy. I wonder today, are you being productive or just active in your life? They're not the same thing. You can be extremely active. You can be extremely busy and not be productive in the least. Sadly, we consciously or even subconsciously convince ourselves that we are busy, watch this, in order sometimes to justify our laziness in other areas. Sometimes we're so quick to say, I'm just too busy, I don't have time for that. It's because that's what you don't want to do. So you just create busyness in your mind. Sometimes it's just your mind. Do you know that most of us are overwhelmed not by reality, but by what we think is reality? I'm overwhelmed. I don't have time for anything. Really? Really? For anything? But you had time to get on Facebook. You have time to to do the things you really love doing. The truth is we're not really overwhelmed most of the time. We create overwhelm in our mind. We're overwhelmed in here, not out here. Most of us do not work uh, 80 or 100 hours a week. Most of us do not put in the time that it would require to truly be overwhelmed. The problem is we don't address issues. The problem is we don't face situations like we ought to. We complicate matters, and because they're not simple, well, it's overwhelming to us. And it's not that they are hard. We just haven't simplified yet. Boy, I'll tell you, simplicity promotes productivity. Sometimes we need to feel busy so we don't have to do the important tasks that make us so uncomfortable. I mean, there's that confrontation, there's that person we need to address, we need to talk to them, but, well, I'm just too busy, I can't get to it, I just can't get to it, I just can't get to it, and all along it's still just just eating at you in the back of your mind. You've got it always hovering over you. You know you need to approach them, you know you need to deal with that problem, that situation, you need to diffuse the circumstance or situation, but you just don't have the courage to face them. You really are uncomfortable about going and entering into confrontation, and as a result of that, you're so burdened down, so overwhelmed, and it's just blah. No, you know what it is? You're finding other things to keep you busy so you don't have to do the things that matter most. I'm telling you, we're complicating our lives. You may be working hard, demonstrating dedication, but dedication sometimes masks a meaningless work. And that is so true. Are you inventing things to do in order to avoid doing what's important? Moms at home, all the little mundane things that need to be done, I get it, that's definitely important. But daddy comes home and nothing's on the table, the house is a wreck, and you say, I don't have time to do any of it. Well, what'd you do for the last six or eight hours when the kids were in school? You're just too busy, right? You create that because there's some things you just don't want to do, maybe. Maybe it's because you don't like him. You don't want to do nothing for him right now because he's got you upset. Then you ought to at least talk to him because until you do that, your life's going to be chaos and confusion. And his will be too. Life is not complicated, folks. We make it complicated. We really do. Find out which of your daily activities produce results. I mean results, tangible results. Things that really matter. Things that bring you closer to obtaining and reaching your goals. Spiritual goals. 
financial goals, maybe physical goals if you're working out and things. I mean, get a handle on those things. Don't do things that don't work. If you're a workout, you're a workout freak, and you're, they say that today, I've, I read an article or heard an article recently that stated that basically if you work out more than 13 to 15 minutes a day, you're wasting your time. I love that kind of stuff. I don't know how true it is, but I love that. You know, I'm like, on board, buddy. I I tell you what, I don't care if I got that off the internet. It's got to be true. (laughs) It doesn't matter, boy. But honestly, don't we sometimes, to our own demise, continue to remain active, doing things that really don't produce? Boy, I tell you, be careful with that. We want to get closer to our goals. Reaching our goals. Turn, if you would, over to Luke chapter 10. We see a biblical picture of just this in a sense, okay? I think the application can be made here. So let's take a look at the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 38. There are some things that just simply waste our time. And then there are other things that just aren't necessarily a waste of time, but they just don't produce the results that that we need, just too little results. And sometimes it's not worth fretting over them, trying to squeeze them in because they, they don't get you any closer to goals. They don't accomplish anything. Uh, and you need to be careful. Look at this situation and we'll see that, that, that the Lord's trying to encourage us to prioritize our lives, to simplify our lives, really. Luke 10, verse 38, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. We're not going to have to debate nor argue the fact that what Martha was doing was important. Oh no, there's no doubt it had its place, it had its purpose, it had its need. I get that and understand that. However, we have one woman that's running around the house as proverbially, we used to say, like a chicken with its head cut off. On the other hand, we have Mary there at the feet of Jesus, quite calm and focused on him. I get that, and I understand that when there's work to be done, we need to pitch in. As often as said, many hands make for light work. But the fact is, is that there are some things, and I think the point being, there are some things that are more important than others. We do have to ensure that we prioritize our lives in a manner by which we are producing the most possible with what time God's given us. And in this particular case, we have Martha that is running about, and she is cumbered about with much She is careful for many things. She's concerned about many things. She is overwhelmed with the situation she finds herself. But there's Mary at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that Christ speaks out and says, Mary had chosen that good part. The one thing, this one thing is needful. 
I want to ask you today, especially maybe some of you ladies that are, are good moms and you care about your family and you're cared about the, the, the home. I wonder today, I wonder, are you like Martha today? I mean, making the beds and cleaning the house and taking care of the domestic issues and all the needs of the family and working so diligently and so hard, but leaving out that one thing that is needful. Those are all, all good things, but they're not always the best thing. And I'm not saying to neglect one. I'm saying to prioritize your life because it's amazing to me how we always have time to put something else in. If it's important enough to us. If, if I could put it on a timeline, I would get the impression that possibly the Lord was saying to Martha, Mary is doing that which is needful. That good part. Martha, you're over here choosing to do this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then this. Those are your priorities. And then if you have any time left, you will then do this. Mary just decided to do that, then do this and this and this and this. I'm telling you, she just swapped it. In my mind, it's as simple as saying there's something that's a little bit more important. There's something that's more valuable, and it's my walk in relationship with Christ. I need to spend time focused on Him. Then I'll do those other mundane things. And if that means getting up earlier, if that means staying up later, I guess that's what it means, but we've got to get the job done. Gentlemen, we have got to set an example for our family. Gentlemen, we've got to walk and lead out front. We can't be telling everybody how spiritual they need to be and not stepping up and being the man of God in our own home as we ought to be. It's important that uh, you have a walk with the Lord. Well, what's yours like? We all know the answers. The question is, do we apply the truths? In this case, we recognize simplicity the reason. Well, one of those is simplicity promotes productivity. You get things simple, you make them simple, you become more productive. And that is a reality of life, whether it's in business, whether it's in education, whether it's in, uh, I, don't, I don't care if it's at Nassau or if it's some uh, tech school down the street or at the church house, simplicity always increases productivity. Number three. Oh, by the way, I do this as a pastor. If you want me to come and be a motivational speaker at your job, um, my fees are quite different. <laughs> I heard, uh, they said Kobe Bryant went and spoke to the uh, Cleveland Browns. He, he spoke to the Cleveland Browns before a big game, you know, they had here in this past season. And somebody said, boy, that was kind of nice of Kobe to come down. And the one gentleman that was a professional athlete at the time, Joe Thomas, who was a Pro Bowl tackle for the Cleveland Browns for, what, 12 years straight or something crazy or 13 years straight, said, oh, no, that wasn't just a nice gesture. He got paid. And the guy went, whoa, how much do you think he got paid? He said, probably at least $100,000. He went, no, you're, you're kidding. He goes, no, he probably got $100,000 to go speak to the team for 15 minutes before the game. 
Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Joe Thomas would know better than me, so I can't say 100%. But I guarantee you, he says, you can't tell me that somebody like Kobe Bryant that has millions and millions and millions and millions, a multi-million dollar worth, is going to go anywhere for less than 100000 Now, I will do it far less than that. <laughs> Just was letting you know that. Okay, number three. Simplicity promises purpose. Simplicity promises purpose. Turn to Revelation 4.11, would you please? Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. It's one of my favorite verses in, in the Bible. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. There we read, Thou art worthy, O Lord, To receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Again, we already touched on it somewhat, but our God-given purpose is still realized and found in simplicity because simplicity is what pleases God. You want to find your purpose in life? Then you have to make things simple. We, we are so active and so busy and so overwhelmed, as we've already talked about, that sometimes we miss our real purpose for existing. People say, why, why am I even here? It's just like a rat race. Well, it doesn't have to be. God has defined our purpose, and our purpose is simple, to please Him first. That is a priority. That is our real goal in life, is to please God What does it mean to please God? How do we please God? Those are all issues that we find described and outlined in the Word of God. But my friend, we have to please God. That's our purpose for existing. He created us to do that. Everyone that is lost is out of the will of God. And they cannot please God because they're out of His will. And may I say that you and I as believers can be saved in the sense that and, and we can be in the will and that we're saved, born again, believers in Jesus Christ. But we can also be out of the will of God in a sense by not being obedient and yielded to Him. And as a result of that, we fail to measure up to His standard. And in doing so, we complicate our lives, we complicate our relationship with God, and we are no longer simplifying and we cannot possibly please God this way. Again, so distracted from the clutter and the chaos and confusion in our lives. Business, the business of every day seems to overwhelm us. We lose sight of our purpose for existing. We lose sight of what is most important and rewarding. And so these all kind of go together. First, simplicity pleases God. Yes, simplicity promotes productivity. And simplicity promises purpose. You want to settle in on your purpose? Then make your life less complicated. Begin to identify why you exist. Boil it down to some simple things. And God does in Revelation 4.11. He says, real simply, let me just tell you what you're here for. Let me tell you what your purpose is, is for existing. Please me. To please me. And someone says, well, I don't like that. Doesn't matter whether you like it. It's simple, though. It is simple. People say, well, I want to please God, and I don't know whether I should go to this school or I should go to that school, whether I should attend this church or that church, whether I should read this Bible or that Bible. I don't know what it's going to please God. What's going to please God? What's going to please God? I'll tell you what pleases them. I'll tell you what, what, what your purpose is and what your will, his, his desire for you for existing is. Just please him in general. Just please him. It's simple. Do right. 
Obey God's word. Do right. Obey God's word. Do right. Obey God's word. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, what's the Bible say? Let's find out. I know, but it can't be that simple. Well, the Bible says this. I know, but there's so many variables. No, what does the Bible say? Do what the Bible says. It's simple. That's how you please God. Doing what God's word says. And you know what you do then? You find purpose. Because that's your whole purpose, to please him. You do that by obeying him. It is not complicated. Somebody says, there's so many other variables. You make it sound so simple. I know. Try to. Number four, we have to move so quickly. I, here it is as, I, as we close. Simplicity produces peace. It produces peace in our life. Again, we, we've, asked, we've, we've kind of come to this and approached this first matter of uh, making uh, things simple. And we said simplify the reason. Well, simplicity pleases God. It promotes productivity. It promises purpose. But finally, it produces peace in our life. I don't know about you, but I want some peace in my life. I, I want peace. Turn to what of Mark chapter 4. To Mark chapter 4, please. And there is no peace in chaos and confusion. <laughs> There's no peace in that. I still remember when my dad was... Uh, when I was a boy, and my dad would come home from work, and he would say to me, Son, I'll tell you, there's nothing like coming home to a peaceful house. He had four boys... Nothing like coming home to a peaceful house. Now listen, I, I want you to know my mom worked very hard to create the atmosphere of peace in our home. Because there is nothing like peace. We live in a constant state of confusion. Most people go to work and come home. Men and women leave their homes in the morning, come back at night, and it's just as chaotic and confusing at home as it was in the workplace or was at the schoolhouse or wherever it was. There's no break today, and we wonder why there's so much mental illness. There's no peace. See, peace is found in simplicity. It produces peace. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And the same day, and I know somebody's already got me. I know you think you got me, don't you? I know you do, because you're out there, you're going, eh, simplicity, he doesn't know. <laughs> it's the Savior. <laughs> yeah. Well, hold on, we're getting to him. I, I didn't forget him. Hold on, we're getting to him. Good catch, though. You almost got me, didn't you? Notice what it says here, Mark 4, 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like peace to me. I mean, though the wind is raging and the, the waves are casting up over the little boat and ship. And men, I mean, it seems that they're going to sink. I mean, the, the thoughts that were running through their mind, the fear that they possibly were, were, were just gripping and dealing with, I can't imagine what they faced at that very moment necessarily. But what I do know is that when Jesus stood on that, the bow of that ship or wherever it was on that little boat and he said, peace, be still, Boom, that quick there was a calm. And may I say today, 
that the moment that you allow him to speak in your life, there'll be a calm. Because his cry is simplicity. It brings simplicity, calm, and peace. If there is confusion and chaos in your life, my friend, it is because there is an absence of Christ in your life. He brings that peace and calm, and he does it through the simplicity of the gospel. We're complicating it, making things too complicated. And all along, he's trying to make it simple. And I know someone says, well, you know what? That's the problem with some of, the, some of these Christian groups. That's the problem with maybe even Baptists. You're always just trying to give simple solutions to complex problems. And there's a lot more to it than that. Oh, I, I get that. But in many cases, we overcomplicate things. Even the most complicated emotional, mental issues are simply addressed and dealt with effectively. I'm telling you, it's not as complicated as people think. The world is complicated, these matters. But there is simplicity in Christ and in the gospel. It is simple. You and I need to simplify. That's all there is to it. It would be the simple gospel that would liberate the sinful soul. It'll be the simple truths of the word of God that will liberate the one bound in sin. I mean, it's the simplicity of the gospel. It's the key to your true peace. Joy. Satisfaction. And fulfilling purpose in your life. I just want to encourage you. Simplicity pleases God. It promotes productivity. It promises purpose and it produces peace. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but those are all good reasons to simplify. I wonder, have you simplified your life? If you're lost today without Christ, I want you to know the world's telling you it's very complicated, very difficult to have to deal with your situation right now. You know, I mean, I mean, you know what you've done. You know where you've been. You understand how you feel, the, the, the guilt that you live with, the shame that's on your heart. You're trying to justify your sin. You're trying to tell yourself it's not that bad. Everybody else is in the same boat. It's cool. It's all right. I'll be fine. And one day, a God in heaven, if there is indeed one, he's going to go ahead and show mercy because that's what gods do, right? But I'm telling you, it's not that complicated. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to hope. You can simply know according to the word of God. Because God himself is described in his own word. He describes himself so you can know who he is, what he expects, what his expectations are of you. And what he expects of you is simply to trust and receive him. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's got to be more complicated. It has to be a little more difficult than that. Surely I have to do something a little more significant. Nahum thought so too. Dip seven times in a muddy Jordan? Are you kidding me? That's too simple. There must be some other great feat or something that I can do to be cleansed of my leprosy. That's not enough. There's got to be more. The, The prophet must be wrong. No, the prophet was exactly right because he was only simply telling him what God told him to say. 
And may I say that God's word simply tells you, you need to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You simply need to trust and receive and accept him. And that is all there is to it. My friend, your sin is not something you can deal with. Your sin is something only the Savior, Jesus Christ, can truly deal with. And he says it's simple. The simplicity of the gospel. That Jesus Christ died on an old rugged cross, was buried, and three days and three nights later rose again to pay for your sin and to justify you before a holy, righteous God. It's simple. Won't you believe in the simple gospel? Quit complicating life and simply come to him. Father, we come to you.